vulnerable, yeah, are powerful. And the most gangster thing you could do is serve. This is All The Way Live. Thank you. Thank you, please. As customary on this podcast of ours, can you hit all sorts of drops, bombs, gunshots, or whatever to welcome us in? I got you. Yes, sir. Hey, man, this is the All The Way Live podcast, and you know we do the show of ours every week, Miles Xavier, giving these people some carefully curated content for their cranium. We don't miss. We're surgical with it. We got some people that are listening on a regular basis, and to those people, we say thank you. We see you. We appreciate you. And how we show that appreciation by G's by putting together what we believe to be a serious, serious show. What do you say? I say I. I'm with you. Carefully curated <laughs> content. I'm here for it. Vibe is in the building. Vibe Nation is in the building. And the gratitude is definitely in the building. For sure, man. For sure. And you know why we do this, Miles. We, we really do care about creating a space that is positive, that, that people can come to and, and sip from a fountain of good energy, even if it's for a second, because um, we know people are really going through things, man. And so what our contribution towards that is dedicating our time to putting together this show for y'all. And today we've got nothing but super exciting topics, man. We're talking about TikTok and tick TikTok, black TikTok stars striking something to that effect. We're talking about uh Shikari Wilson. I hope I pronounced pronounced that correctly. Is it Shikari or Jakari? It's Shikari. And I wrote it down like that. Um Shikari Wilson. And uh we're also gonna be exactly Richardson though. <laughs> <laughs> so I got the first part correct, and I got the <laughs> right, right yeah. after I'm talking about how much time we spend in our research and whatnot. But that being said, man, we speak about absolutely everything from things we stumbled upon all the way to the current news where we dedicate our time to researching these things and reaching for the absolute hottest news topics. And then we also do this, our favorite part of the show, which is recommended and reviewed. And Miles, can you tell the people why this is our favorite part of the show, man? Oh, no. It got to be recommended and reviewed because that's where we interact with you. You know, we review what you recommend. We recommend what we think is cool. And this week we're getting into Call Me If You Get Lost, Tyler, the creator. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I'm not a huge Tyler aficionado, but I might be now. I don't know. We'll we had to go back. We had to go back, man, because I think we glossed over it last week and I called you during the week. I was like, hey, man, listen, I don't know what your listening plan looks like, but let's review this this week. I had planned to get around to it, but you definitely made me pick it up sooner than I would have. And I appreciate that. Man, we're going to get into that. But without further ado, you already know what's going on, man. Chicago's in the building. Johannesburg is in the building. You know what I'm saying? Brought to you from the illustrious gallery, Momo, on that side. You know, supplier of fine black art and silk do-rags. You see my brother rocking the newest models of both of them over there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> YouTube. You know what I'm saying? And if you're on the Spotify, if you're on the SoundCloud, wherever you at, we appreciate you. You know what I'm saying? On this side, we are in Chicago. This podcast was recorded on stolen land. You know what that means, man. This land was cared for 
by the Potawatomi people, the Council of the Three Fires, and the violence done to remove them from this land is inseparable from the state that we find this city in, the state that we find this country in, the state that we find this world in. So we gotta lift up love between black and brown people the world over. We gotta lift up indigenous people the world over. Yes, period. Sir. Lift up love, period, intro done, period. Let's get into the show. Hey man, listen, you were just telling me, we are just speaking off air about how, what perfect timing we were able to meet each other even happen and like how sometimes some people just come into your life at the right time because although we had very similar high school upbringings if we would have met at high school we would have definitely hated each other yeah absolutely absolutely and i think the timing of when somebody comes into your life can determine if that relationship is lifelong or if that relationship presents itself as a lesson right the flip side is you know meeting somebody so similar to myself not knowing how to share space with that person maybe in high school might have been a might have been a lesson but thankfully you know i had learned a little bit more you know i had i had my ego had been taking enough uh taking enough licks hits and, and pitfalls to to be at a level where i could nothing but appreciate somebody who shared my interest and plus campus was big enough for the both of us i'd say we, we <laughs> divvied it up and and and, and uh there was peace in in all the territories of the land so it was it was straight we our you make it sound like we dominated different areas and came to like a a gangster understanding of sorts where we tied durags in the middle of the a chalmers street that's what my that's an illinois reference for my illinois folk word word served different areas but definitely gangster definitely <laughs> definitely do Yep, definitely bandana tied for sure, for sure. But serve, we serve different areas of campus. That's hilarious. But that's actually and shout out to my constituents. <laughs> Word. What up? Also known as customers. <laughs> my custies. Um, divine timing. You know, a lot of a lot of the work we do, and you know, we're we're, we're recording this quite you know, if we're being transparent with our audience, right, we've been, we're doing work in the background, you know, with the foundation work and we're trapping in, even after recording this, we're going to have to take off podcasts, co-hosts, hats and dive back into it too. So when I, when I look at the timing of how even the work that we're doing comes to us, it's almost a, a certification that things just happen when they're supposed to happen. Absolutely. I was having a conversation with my pops the other night uh, just about my trajectory in life and how, you know, being able to create this foothold in service, right, for my community uh, and be able to, like, eat off of that has been amazing. And but it's also been like me taking a plan, a path less traveled, right, than this than the traditional, like, get a foothold in corporate and climb the corporate ladder and whatnot. And to have you as an example of somebody who's always been a, a, a maverick when it comes to, you know, the, the different levels and, and, and different ways that you've decided to build your career and build up your, your professional self and your resume. Uh, it was dope to be able to point to your, the conference, the, the panel discussion uh, that we spoke about a couple episodes ago and see, and just to explain to my pops, like I have this person who mirrors both my values and the impact that I want to have in the world and look at this person having reached this stage of where he should be recognized among the people that he should be among uh, with this less than 
traveled trajectory. And so the ways in which I've been able to stabilize in that regard, I would hope have been, you know, helpful to you and, and, and reassuring of that the path we're on is, is a possible one. Um, and very much it's been helpful to me and even helpful to help others understand that path, yeah. you know? Yeah, definitely. And that's, and that's the value now of being around the right type of people, because I always say the, the work I'm doing now, this impact driven work came from being around you, you know, the, the, it came from, and I guess this is the friendship appreciation podcast. People are going to be I like, guess, this dude's just about meet each say, other. <laughs> What's yeah. going on? <laughs> we need a third person to jump in there and just boo a little bit. Boo. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And we, we'll wrap up the mouse's way appreciation, but it, it, it's, it's, it, I think it's important to, to be open about the different ways that relationship, friendships, business can, can, can intersect with each other. And also, um, being around people that push you to be a better person, be it professionally, be it whatever it is, and that being able to have some cool impact. So um, I'm sure I'm sure there's some booze coming around, but hey, man, it's important to talk about these things. Yeah, we appreciate y'all, you know, as we indulge ourselves. And hopefully that conversation um, reminded somebody of relationships that they have in their life uh, and just to be thankful for them and just to, you know, reach out to your people and say, yo, I appreciate you uh, for the support. Um, cause everybody can use a little extra love, right? So appreciate that, which I get from you. Appreciate that, which we get from y'all. Where we going with it? Stumble upon? You, you, tell me black tick, you, you tell me black, tick black TikTokers on Stripe, but this is Stumble Upon. I believe we have a drop for that as well, because that's the type of podcast we have around here. Hey, y'all, come look at this. Man, so what I seen was, first of all, black TikTok is on Stripe. Right? Have you what heard does that mean? Nah, I haven't heard about this at all. Have you seen this? Have you heard about <laughs> Where's that from even? That's from South Park. That's uh, that, Jimmy from South Park. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Check this out. <laughs> so, black TikTokers have refused to choreograph any mo dances, right? Namely, Megan the Stallion. Ooh, that was close because of what the name of the song is. Megan Thee Stallion dropped a song called Thought Shit. And unlike Savage, unlike um, a few Megan of Megan's other tracks, yeah, a few, a few of her other tracks typically do get accompanied by a TikTok being, dance being created, choreographed, uh, for it to go viral, become a trend, everybody got to do the dance challenge, right? Those dances are typically created by young black individual creators right just black people having fun on tiktok but as the dances get popular the most popular videos and the credit is typically given to white creators right mm -hmm. uh and 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 so black tiktokers a lot of the a lot of the there's been a push kind of an agreement to say we're not going to create a dance to that shit because and 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 let the let the the platform flounder right and not have a dance to this song just to show the power of black creators and up until now there hasn't been a dance or a challenge to that song have you heard the song yeah i've heard the song and it's all right but the song the the the, the quality of the song does isn't typically what determines whether or not it gets a dance challenge it's typically just the artist and it's typically just the the desire to create more content 
content creators cre- uh, want to have to put out more content to stay relevant and to maintain gaining followers and followers want more content. So typically, whatever song it is, if it's by somebody as popular as Megan Thee Stallion, it'll get a dance. By the way, you call her Megan Thee Stallion, the full thing makes you sound mad old. Just, just so you know. The kids say Meg. Damn, you're probably right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> For my grandpa-ish ways. You're isolating you know? our teenage demographic, bro. Well, tell our teenage demographic to check out Rome Streets. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, to, and we have to be fair in the way that we measure protests, right? This is, a, this is a version of her protest. She's withholding creative, she's, she's withholding her, her skills and her power in order to make a statement about something. And I, go ahead. She's not. So it's not up to her. Right. It's up to the individual TikTokers who have a who black TikTok. Right. As for what to whatever extent that could be considered a collective of people has decided, nah, we not do we not making no dance. So it's not up. It's not up to Meg. I think Meg has I, I actually I have a couple of other points about the story. I don't have Meg's specific response, but I haven't heard that she's I would imagine she's in support of the TikTokers. The song still gets whatever. It's more promotion for the song, but I imagine I would hope that she gets it. I'm gonna give her the benefit of the doubt. I haven't yeah. looked it up, but I mean, you know, black culture has always been cool culture. I, I was speaking to somebody about that recently, and we were just going back to even the origins of where coolness comes from. From all the greats, you can go um, Elvis Presley. Uh, you know, he's he's uh, impersonating Chuck Berry. You go. Uh, you know they they look at they look at what boys to men was to in sync they look at all of that there's there's always been coolness and what you're starting to see a lot more is that when pop acts want to be able to even be considered relevant they'll then do their their black you know they'll do their their black thing allow your Miley Cyrus Justin Bieber and utilize that blackness as a as an entrance into what is considered coolness even more problematic with creators that are that have very few rights right just in releasing their content on tiktok it's not even the black creators that get acknowledged even a tokenish way right Mm -hmm. even in a it's it's white creators that do the dances that get opportunities so for example back in march jimmy fallon invited tiktok star addison ray easterling to perform a series of eight viral tiktok (laughs) dances on his show none of which she created Right, the majority of these dances haven't been created by black TikTokers. So she gets the opportunity to go on Jimmy Fallon, do this, do all of their dances. None of them were given credit, right? Eventually, the links to the original TikTok video accounts were get put in the YouTube description of the Jimmy Fallon video after it aired, mm. right? Another example, during last year's NBA All-Star Weekend, the NBA invited several white TikTok creators including Easterling and siblings Charlie and Dixie Amello. The trio scored prime seats, sat for interviews, and were even asked to dance on the court. So that seems like an opportunity that a young Black TikTok creator should have gotten and would appreciate potentially more than these white content creators. It seems like an organization like the NBA would be more sensitive to that, which I think just indicates that the trend is to get these white faces doing these dances that are created by black folks 
And that's where the monetization starts happening at the exclusion of these creators. A hundred percent. And that's always been the, the formula for, for white coolness, the, the pen, you don't, and, and that's not, uh, that's not a, a grandeur statement that that's just the reality of where cool culture comes from. If you take, for instance, the fact that hip hop was the most valuable music, uh, genre of the last two years that the artist of the generation is a black hip hop artist. Um, you take the influence of, let's say, even Fortnite, right? Which gets a lot of its appeal from being able to incorporate modern dance culture. None of those people got paid for that type of, they got paid for that. Um, depending for, for, for how far back we want to look at how long black artists have been, black creators have been exploited only for their art to be mimicked by whiter artists and then be pushed forward to popularity. But so this type of protest to me, I think it's fantastic. I think it's, I think it's really cool to see people banding together and, and withholding their skills. I would love to see what the white dance from this protest looks like. But also Miles, we have to be honest in that we, we, we sometimes lack the attention span to stick together for a purpose. I remember when, was it Gucci or was it something? It was Gucci. They did something very offensive to the black culture. T.I. said he stopped wearing Gucci, but then very shortly after that, that went down. It has, but I think that whole movement also has supported the growth of Telfair, right? The black owned luxury brand of purses and uh, other like, uh, bags, items like that, that's gaining traction, right? I think Telfair's is part of that is because people don't want to deal with a white-owned company that's going to be insensitive, that really at its core doesn't want our business. I think as Black businesses are created, people might not be able to collectively move in, in against Gucci for long enough because it's in too many songs. It's too, it has too entrenched a place in luxury culture. But when other brands come up, people do remember feeling hurt in the, on an individual level and might be more likely to gravitate toward those black brands, which will give us power, right? So I think that's what we, I think that's what this type of protest shows is a, is a ability to gather together and do that if only for a moment. Um, and we need to continue to protest it and acknowledge these moments when our stuff is taken. Like you mentioned, it's happened with jazz, it happened with rock and roll, it happened with hip hop, it happened with hip hop music, happened with those whitewashed step up movies that they did and capitalized made millions of dollars off of the hip hop dancing, break dancing, right? That were led by typically not black, not dark skinned people, not people that really truly represented the hip hop movement movement. Channing Tatum was the star of that first joint, I'm pretty sure, right? So like and then all the way from that to TikTok, right? There's a through line of just being like of putting these white faces at the forefront of what of what we've created. And I'm just glad that those creators, even on TikTok, are collectively acknowledging it. You know what I'm saying? Where we do have, if not the power to license and own the content of the dances, yet at least the power to show that without us, y'all ain't got nothing. And that's what's on TikTok right now is the dances that white people are creating, trying, and it's not hidden. I don't know what song Meg The Stallion made this particular song, but I can guarantee you that fundamentally a lot of the creators that are not protesting would lack the logistical capabilities in order to pull off the type of maneuver you would need to fully, fully enjoy that song. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like you, Zoe, 
await the day that we can fully, fully enjoy <laughs> the type of music that Megan Thee Stallion is. Yo, drop, drop that drop for us one time so they know how oh, serious we are, man. Oh, it, it gotta be. <laughs> gotta be. That's right, that's right, that's right. Oh, um, man. But shout out to Black TikTok. Shout out to, to Black people um, being real and honest and demanding about what's theirs. I feel like you're about to take us somewhere with that. I mean, I could I could move us on into current news if you're ready for that. I mean, if you got a job for it, I'm down to talk about it. Current news. Shikari Richardson. Indeed, man, I, this has been blown up. I don't know what Shikari's fan base name is yet. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if we the cars. The car cars, I don't know if we the, the, the Richie Riches, you know what I'm saying? But whatever the Shakari Richardson fan base is, I consider myself a member. We all need to have a meeting and figure out what the name is so that we can make t-shirts, because I rocks with Shorty, right? Personally, when I first saw her picture, when I first saw the video of her, video of her smoking, the 100 meters, like, I was like, that is black excellence and black joy and it just resonated with me yeah. what you know what you think about shakari have you heard I mean, what's going on i mean miles you know as somebody that's known me for a very long time and know the things in life that um inspire me and the things in life that give me joy and the things that um fit my 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 my, my very my very strict acceptance level of things that i regard as beautiful um, you'll know, you know exactly how I feel about um, Shikari Wilson Richardson. And as you said, as a member, I'd like to, as the vice president of the, the, the Richardson's club, which is what we're temporarily calling it until we can further um, name pending. <laughs> name pending. <laughs> I'll name this fan club later. Uh, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I like what you did there, sir. Only a few people are going to get that, but I appreciate it. No, but on a serious note, man, um, black excellence. I love seeing, I love seeing black beauty. I love seeing black dominance. It's, it's sad. What is, it's sad. The, how backwards we are as a people in order for that to be something that can disqualify an athlete from being able to participate in the Olympics. That to me is something that is, is quite difficult to fathom. I think you're spot on brother. So I'm gonna back up and I escaped the drop before, but I'm gonna do a little bit more reading. And so I gotta bring it on in. Yo nigga, your brother told us how you be all into reading this nice, shit. Nice, nice, hey, nice. that's some real good shit, my nigga, for real. Congratulations, nigga. Shakari Richardson had secured her spot at the Tokyo Olympics with a runaway victory in the women's 100 meter at the U.S. Olympic track and field last month. She was suspended one month from the Olympic team after testing positive for THC, which is the chemical compound found in marijuana. So she was tested, as all the U.S. athletes are tested, all the athletes that participate in the Olympics are tested for drugs under the pretense of performance enhancing drugs, right? They found weed in the system, suspended her one month, 
which disqualifies her from participating in the 100 meter, right? Potentially, she'll be able to participate in some other events at the Olympics, but not her 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 uh, spotlight event, right? The one that we all saw her and were moved mm-hmm. by her winning. So, I think the question, and and I think the the issue as you as you laid it out for us is that it is. Should it disqualify her to have smoked weed to participate in the Olympics, considering that it's probably not in the category of performance enhancing drugs? My question, Miles, right? And and it's it's entirely possible that we're ignorant to the potential compound benefits that THC as a chemical might be included in other performance enhancing substances and whatnot but to the best of my knowledge that is not necessarily the case so if it if alcohol was found in her body in her system would she have been suspended i i don't think so and there's there's also like complications around how long weed stays in your system um and and she she made a statement that i want to get to in a little bit about and and she's handled it from from my perspective in a very graceful way and i want to get to her statement in a minute but i think it just this story just runs so contradictory to everything that we've heard about weed and reflects an archaic kind of ideology around cannabis that it would we would think considering some of what we've seen in legislation we would have moved beyond right so it seems like to me a lot of what we even the even the misconceptions about cannabis are that it makes you lazy, da 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 da. You know what I mean? And that so for someone to be caught using it in the Olympics and to be disqualified seems that you're playing both sides of the fence. You know, it, I don't and I and I think the the shock comes from not being able to understand what coherent argument somebody who thinks she should be disqualified could be making. Precisely precisely as that and it's it's what what's infuriating about it is let me not say what's infuriating about it as you had said she's handled this completely like a professional and she's handled it I, i have no critique on what she on how she's handled it but as you get into a statement um the 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 taboo behind it, the the bad name behind cannabis, especially when you there are countries and places where you can literally purchase this product, not just for chemical purposes, but recreationally. Um, there's vending machines where you can do that. For why why that can lead towards a young black woman being disqualified when. I saw somebody on on Twitter put up the argument that when Michael Phelps was caught smoking a bong, it was almost, you know, it was it was very lighthearted and it was a joke, which speaks more towards obviously the increased pressure that Black women have to face, just in general for being who they are. But it is it is quite infuriating when something that is legal in a lot of countries that, as you said, no coherent arguments as to why not, um, as to how this could be a performance enhancing substance. It 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 makes you wonder what else, uh, it just makes you wonder at what point do these archaic systems get to fall away and we can be more inclusive about how people actually live their lives instead of holding them up to a standard that makes absolutely no sense. And when we're reminded of a rule or we're reminded of a way in which 
we are operating in a system that is archaic that needs to change do we change it or do we you know uphold that unjust system even when we're even in this opportunity being reminded of it right like oh yeah we still have kind of scientifically and probably just generally wrong ideas around marijuana and rules around it we could either use this as an opportunity to take them down or uphold them and cost this woman a big portion of her career right or a big opportunity in her career and and then do what let the rules operate through bureaucracy to potentially be changed or not i don't think that that's I, I think that that is frustrating, especially in the face of when white, when it happens to white people, we don't tend to address it. We just tend to ignore it. Right. And the rule isn't upheld. So I think that disparity is, is trying, but I want to get to her statement. Please understanding do. that please the do. rule, what, what oh, I said, yeah. please do. Yeah. So understanding that the rules are what they are. She said, I just want to take responsibility for my actions. I know what I did. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm allowed not to do, and I still made that decision. I'm not making an excuse or looking for any empathy in my case. She also cited that the passing of her biological mother and finding that out through a reporter was a source of the stress as she turned to marijuana. That was a source of stress that she turned to marijuana to cope with. And the cannabis industry is big business in the U.S., Right. This is this is this is what I'll say towards institutions that fail to adapt and that fail to be very quick in responding to public to to public discontent based on the archaic nature of their rules. They will suffer. They will suffer a loss in 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 viewership. They will because how many people were just going to watch this lady run alone? Right. You don't have no Saint Bolton there. I I cannot think of a single other Olympic sprinter, sprint, sprinter name. I, I, I can't, right? So there's financially that decision doesn't necessarily make sense. You're now ostracizing a group of people that maybe might want to even boycott based on that rule. You're, you're dealing with COVID restrictions, which already is an, inc an, an increased cost. Rules don't apply for many things in this time, day and age. If there was ever a time to be able to be flexible with the rules, it's right now, you know? And we're not saying include, um, we're not saying break the door down for that because everything has a process. And especially when it comes to um, drug testing, you know, if you're up on USADA and you're up on the lengths that they go from a scientific perspective to even define what is allowed to be considered a performance enhancing substance and not, there's, we're not discounting the science of that. However, some things do not need to be, um, some things do not need to be upheld to that type of bureaucracy, especially when the victim is something that is a financial disincentive and a social disincentive because I think they have an opportunity to be inclusive. That's it's the time for inclusivity right now. It's the time for open-mindedness. This is the time for being able to say, listen, that rule made no sense. Let's change it. We saw them do it with Dave Chappelle. Yeah. If they can make the NBA season shorter, you can allow somebody to smoke weed. <laughs> if they can make the NBA season shorter and all of the top athletes get injured in one week. In one uh, playoff series, everyone's injured right now. All the stars are sitting out. Then 
you can definitely make some space for a little bit of THC in the system, man. Come on, what are we doing here? Yeah, and don't quote me on this, but I think the NBA did move to limit drug testing specifically for marijuana and the players earlier this season. And I think that I think that that's just true. Speaks to, yeah, and I think that that just speaks to kind of the note I want to end this on is I appreciate you, Ray, for, for saying kind of what I was saying in a, in a much more human way in terms of this being an opportunity to change the rule and them just deciding to uphold it in the face of that uh, at the expense of at the expense of this person uh, and at the expense of you know people and that representation that you would have brought um, the feeling that I expressed at the beginning of this segment uh, at the expense of that and I think black people in general are tired of having our heroes our champions uh, our representation ripped away at for frivolous reasons when we see people, other people flaunt the, you know, just just have no respect for any type of the rules um, and keep on rocking. So I want to end this just centering on her humanity, hoping that she's good, hoping that dealing with the passing of her biological mother is is something that she's finding healthy ways to deal with, um, that her family is, is, is can be kind of at the forefront and there for her uh, through this because just finding that out, finding out that she passed through the media um, and just having to deal with this big, just all of this big institutions, the media having to deal with CNN, the U.S. Olympic Committee is a lot for, for a young person and for her to, you know, they're not doing a very good job of, of being, of treating this person like a human. Um, so I yeah. just feel for her and I am, I am a part of the Richardson Club. Shout out to her. Yeah, bro. But you also know how hard people train to go into the Olympics that I would be so upset if I was her. You ever, it's like studying super hard for a test and then being told you're disqualified for cannabis. It's the same type of lunacy. <laughs> it's the same type of lunacy, dude. I like that. I like that comparison you just drew there. It's yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. Um, and I'm sure that she as a, as a champion, as a true champion, was sure that she was going to dust everybody is is devastated to not have had the opportunity to do that. And if y'all are scared of Shikari just dusting and smoking all of these other countries and all of these other different people that y'all got com competing against it, then just say that, you know? Just say that. Hey, man. Yo, Maz, I wanted to inquire with you. Have you been up on all these crazy, on up of these, all these crazy weather and nature phenomenons that are happening, just like the landslides that's happening in, um, in Japan and the, the rising the in the water levels, heat waves, all of that. I saw a really unfortunate video of the mudslides in Japan that was taking out houses in the community. People are, I think, definitely still missing. Um, man, that's just it's tough. It's tough to it's tough to see like it's one thing when it's mother nature in general. We can't really stop that. There ain't really much you could do, you know what I'm saying, except evacuate. And to see that we're causing more and more of this, you know, or at least to have that understanding is really it's really heartbreaking, G. Um I saw that we continue to mess up the environment. Uh, uh, an underwater pipeline exploded near the coast of Mexico uh and created a fire there like endangering the environment. Yeah. I actually have a, a an article on that. So if you want to hit me with a with a, a young drop to get into it.
So we're pulling this from India today. We're pulling, we're today. We got it from there today. India today is the, is the news outlet that I'm reading this from. Oh, should I queue up India in the box? <laughs> do you have it? <laughs> I, I, I probably do. We'll tell you the Indian the box story is a Patreon. Look, look out for that. Shout out to our Indian community. We just come, we were just in the last trip, international trip we took. We went to Jaipur and then we also went to Goa. So shout out to all my people over there. You know what I'm saying? Word. A gas leak from an undersea pipeline of state owned oil company, Petroleos Mexicanos or Pemex, caused a fire on the ocean surface of the Gulf of Mexico. The flames on the Gulf, uh, a gas leak from an underwater pipeline caused a huge fire on the ocean surface of the Gulf of Mexico. The visual of a fire breaking out in water went viral on social media. The flames resembled molten lava and were called the eye of the fire. Various journalists and publications from Mexico and elsewhere shed clips. Um, yeah, have you seen the have you seen the image? Have you seen the video? I've seen the image. Yeah. It's crazy looking. It's crazy looking. Doesn't look, doesn't look good. Doesn't look good. And it's kind of sad that, you know, it has to be visibly spectacular for people to really pay attention. You know what I mean? But that notwithstanding, uh, it's just another sign that, yo, we continue. We being we as individuals not doing anything, and we as countries and big business continue to put the environment at major, major risk at the expense of, you know, industry. And in some ways, we, we have to devote more resources to figuring out the energy issues that make some of those risks necessary. But in a lot of ways, it's just our stubborn refusal to acknowledge the science of what we're doing to our environment and how little time we have to turn back the clock on that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, something that my sister pointed out is that if the fire is on the surface, what does that mean for the temperature? Um, what does that mean for the temperature in that area? So there's a lot, the, the ecology of that area is getting very, very disrupted right now. I mean, like if you know how sensitive um, uh, oceanic animals are to, to, uh, to just temperature changes, especially at that level and that intensity and also gas pollution and things like that. There's a huge environmental effect that's happening on there. I saw somewhere else that a, a cargo ship, uh, a, a Chinese cargo ship fell into the water that was carrying um, these, uh, that was carrying these chemicals into it, these biochemicals into it, and just ended up a bunch of animals washing up dead into the ocean. Um, you know, these are morbid, morbid, sad convos to have, but the reality is like they're happening, you know, I, I don't know what the solution in stopping these things is, but watching that is seeing that fire on the water. How do you put out a fire that is in the ocean? Uh, yeah, I don't know. You got, you got me there. That's like a, that's like, that's this week's all the way live riddle. Uh, but I would say that it is really tough to look at all of these stories and imagine what you can do about, you know, uh, a fire and water in, in, in somewhere near Mexico, right? If you're not, if you're not there. And even if you are close to Mexico, shout out to our, to our Mexican listeners, right? Yeah. Uh, love y'all. Uh, truly, but it's, a. Uh, <laughs> It's, it, it can be difficult to imagine what you can do about it, but I think these can just be reminders that 
we are messing up our environment. And so as much as we might want to say it doesn't matter what we do with our plastic, with our trash, what you know, whether we make a stand in our own lives, you better because we are on the whole creating more damage than any one of us can cause collectively and with industry and with business, right? So there's a there's a and then just trying to create energy. So I think this is a reminder for everyone that, yeah, all of the, like, I hope you do recycle, right? I hope you don't litter. I hope you do do neighborhood cleanup type stuff. If you get an opportunity, if it's your one volunteer thing of the year, pay more attention to global warming. I think these type of catastrophes, if nothing else should say, we are creating an unsafe environment for ourselves and we all need to take a personal stake in it because as a collective, we've allow it to run amok yeah and run amok when you when you look at the figures what you do see is that recycling uh like household recycling and uh household recycling and individual let's say individual green efforts right that are common household green efforts they actually don't have that massive of an impact on the the mass amount of pollution and stuff that's going on even with uh, even with the uh, throw away your plastics and not and replacing plastic straws, plastic straws actually only account for three percent of all of the plastic that's found in the water in, in the ocean. But 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 the the act, the social act of having the intention to recycle and be more green is clearly has forced a lot of big businesses to focus on it. And as we collectively make that something that we ingrain in our lowest, in our lowest, um, let's say in, in the most daily of routines, the more it becomes a social norm, the more it becomes something that we as a society demand, and the more we put cash behind it, then eventually the things that, you know, the things that, um, that don't abide by that are things that we that eventually phase out. The oil and the oil and gas industry right now is shrinking. Um, if you look back on the last twenty years, what the top five companies in the U.S. were, they used to be energy companies. Now they've actually even been bumped out of the top ten twenty years later. So that industry is shrinking, especially because of these green these this green focus that everybody is having, demanding electric cars and whatnot. So. It's very easy to look at the numbers and be like, man, I ain't got to do nothing. That doesn't work now. Nah, but if it may be not in the literal impact, let's say maybe not in the in the percentage of of uh, the impact we have on the total world, you know what I mean, on our output. But I think ingraining that into our society might be something, not might be, is something that clearly can lead to a lot more change than individual plastic recycling might be able to do. Yeah. I think you're a thousand percent correct, right? I think if you look at what the majority of the waste, like if you take a look at the oceans, it's created by these big corporations, right? And so it's about people taking a bigger stand in terms of addressing what corporations are doing, but how you go and, you know, go to your local city council meeting and hold the, the corporation that works at the seaside docks accountable for their fishing nets if you don't recycle yourself. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You look kind of you look kind of silly if 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 you if you're not living that. Um, so I would I would say that educate, start to live in a way that reflects care for the environment, and then hold government officials, hold these big corporations accountable in the ways that you can. Um, whether it's fishing, whether it's 
pollution through uh, energy production, whether it's just big business waste dumping. Um, yeah, learn it, live it, and then tell them big motherfuckers to cut it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, man, that Gulf of Mexico area has been just, you know, th th that area has been so impacted. Remember the big BP oil spill that happened? That was in the same area, too. That's that same region. I, I can't imagine the impact that that's having on local farmers, on local fisheries, on the local commerce that happens over there, on the on the ecology, the animals. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. Those pictures are wild, though. Wild. Literally thank a fly in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, thank you for bringing that, that, that point of emphasis. Like, this is the same spot where the BP oil spill happened. And we didn't decide then to just like maybe we should get out of this area we've done we cleaned it up maybe we've done enough maybe we should just you know water preserve <laughs> i don't know what the water equivalent of a forest preserve is but you get what my point is <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? we continued to operate and do you know even if it wasn't the same company right we didn't we had an opportunity to say we messed up here we could just let's just leave it alone and that's just not our nature and i think that indicates the shift socially that we need to make in terms of how we treat the environment and you know why it's a little bit difficult to miles is that I, and I don't know if this is if people know this like the average consumer knows this but in countries where you do have oil production the they actually divvy up and sell blocks of blocks of the ocean where you can go explore so literally when they say you buy an oil block they they're referring to that block of land essentially that you have purchased this into and once you've bought into that you have a legal obligation not even the right a legal obligation to explore develop and then maintain that land so even yeah even but if you freaking oil spill on that land you lose your control of that land first of all after you clean it up and then we should probably say nobody else gets this block yeah, this, we done, yeah, we done. We done goofed up this block. Sorry, but it's difficult. It's true that that ideally that's what you'd want, but it's super difficult. You know, a lot of these a lot of these companies also in legacy contracts, fifty years, hundred years, uh, a basin like that that has that much product. I'm sure these people are sipping are on ninety year contracts, something like that. Ecosystems over contracts forever to the death of me. <laughs> Boss is the coolest tree hugger I've ever met. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah yeah big tree energy big tree energy <laughs> <laughs> speaking of big tree energy man speaking of big tree energy tell me how because i haven't actually spoken to you about this man how do you feel about this title of the create album if we're moving right into recommended and review i like it i I appreciate uh, Tyler's versatility. I appreciate how many different sounds he's given us over the years. This is his seventh studio album. Uh, and I think it just shows growth. It shows somebody who's very comfortable in creating, somebody who's very comfortable in pulling from sources of inspiration and incorporating them into their music. Call me if you get lost, Tyler the Creator. It's fly. It's fly. It's very, very fly. So I call you. And I say to you, hey, man, I don't know what you're doing, but if you like hip hop and you like nice things, give this album a run. 
And I said, I like hip hop. And by golly, I also like nice things. So I will. I will give it a run. And I did. And uh, I think that that just speaks to, you know, I wasn't in the place to, uh, like, I wasn't thinking, I didn't run to this, right, on my own accord. Um, It's funny how quickly music starts to come out. And then you go from, like, that feeling of a drought to, like, man, I need some music to, like, all right, I just want to live with this, this album. Still been keeping that her rotation. Still been growing with that gold link. Trying to go back to that J. Cole, develop even like, you know, just, just, yeah, it, it's, I digest. Uh, but yeah, man, this, this Tyler the Creator album, um, immediately throwing it on, I heard why you called me to it. Similar to what I said on the Gold Link album, going through the first two tracks, I was like, just very happy about the experimentation I was hearing um, and hearing that it was working, right? So that, um, What's it called? Corso is one of my favorite tracks on the whole joint. Track number two. That is, that's my type of stuff. Uh, yeah. What were some of your, what were some of your thoughts? What were some of the vibes that you got from the album? What were some of your highlights? Speaking about Cole, right? I, I called you and I said, I, I wonder if you'll be able to make a certain comparison with a certain artist. To me, this is Tyler, the creator's uh, KOD. Hear me out. Hear me out. You with me? Especially, especially the track featuring Daisy World. I definitely got uh, J Cole vibes. But let me let me hear more on this this theory. Mainly because this the sound. I think in I think this particular album is not Tyler's most experimental album. If you look at Flaw, I think Igor's is most experimental album. Ego is a very brash concept with an imagery to accompany it and the and the musical aesthetic in order to be very confrontational a lot of screaming a lot of electronic uh it's, it's, it was a it was a very it was a it was a strong creative leap and as tyler does he pulled that off especially for his core fan base maybe it was maybe didn't necessarily encompass the masses but you know went with that from there to drop this, which has a lot of commercial appeal, utilizing 42 Doug, utilizing Lil Uzi, utilizing NLE Chopper. I think in this, he was like, oh, I see what you guys like and I see what you want and I can do it better than the people that you like doing it. And I think that's why we're hearing him just completely snap on it. This is, this is KOD. Yeah, I, I felt... I definitely felt him pulling from a lot of a lot of different sources to your point. So I definitely see that comparison. Um, he, I felt like Cole was doing a much more uh, on the nose, like imitation to fit his point where Tyler, I feel like is still just making the music, but borrowing from styles from Brock Hampton, from the AG club, uh, from Mick Jenkins kind of on the hip hop side, on the rap side, on the like experimental, uh, like you said, brash beats, instrumentation. Uh, and then borrowing, I think I saw, I heard a little bit of uh, Anderson Pack, definitely some Childish Gambino uh, in just the kind of R&B alternative kind of vibes he was giving. Uh, and even production wise, I heard some pulling from, of course, Alchemist, Harry Fraud. Uh, I definitely heard some lush, lavish beats that he, and even like Freddie Gibbs fashion 
was uh, comfortable kind of being offbeat almost in a Griselda-esque way. So I think this does pull together a lot of things about hip hop that we're, that we're seeing right now uh, and distorting it into, a, into a, an interesting uh, alternative vision. Um, and I dug yeah. it much more than Igor. This one was, I got the experimentation. I got what he was trying to do. And I found a lot more that worked for me in it. You know what I dig about this too, especially as, as somebody that grew up on the Gangster Girls mixtape, that grew up on um, DJ drama. Like, I think this was an ode to that time, you know, really giving it a hip hop, a mixtape, an early 2000 mixtape feel. And you feel that a lot on that Wheezy track. The fact that he's got Wheezy on there and he's got Wheezy snapping and he's got... And this funny, we, ha we joke about DJ drama interrupting things constantly. This was... I think the best use of DJ drama on this mixtape. And like, if you have like your, your Kate Kendrick Lamar's dropping damn with, um, with, Kid uh, with Kid Capri on it. And it, as almost an homage to that time, I think that is Tyler's version of that for our generation. Um, and I think he pulled that off well, especially because he's got Wheezy Wee on there dropping one of the best Wheezy verses I've heard in a long time. Well, yeah, I think there's, I mean, uh, I, I forget who originally dropped it, who showed, which shows, you know, uh, how I be in and out of certain aspects of the culture. The Instagram part ain't for me, but somebody dropped a list of the top 10 rappers that had uh, some of our favorite rappers in, a, in quite, a, quite a tizzy. Uh, Conway was kind of uh, talking some smack. Uh, Benny was getting in on it. Uh, but um, yeah. I forgot my 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 point with that, but there Weezy was a list Wee. of rappers. Wayne was on that list, even in 2021, and with BB King, uh, freestyle with uh, a few of the features that he's had this this year. I think he's education, miseducation with Cowboy. Weezy's got some. Weezy's still very much showing that he can make music in any decade. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> he's he's what three decades in right now. This is crazy. Yeah. Um. But for me, for me, getting back to Tyler, you're so right with the DJ drama, like uh, accompaniment. There was so much engaging production, even from the shortness of the songs, right? Like two minutes, three minutes, and then you get to the Brent Fias joint, you know, got that 10 minute joint snuck in there, um, which I really wanted to like, but it sounded a little too much like they were going for a, an extended earthquake to me. Mm. And I was like, mm, ah. but overall, Corso, What's your name? Lumberjack. Hot wind blows. My highlights. It's it's dope, man. It's dope. The first half for me was definitely a lot a lot stronger for me. So I dug that lemonade. Um, yeah, I dug that lemonhead. I dug that manifesto. Juggernaut. Um, even the even the 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 what's the name? Even that uh, '90s R&B feel too. I really dug how I pulled that off. All in all, man, I think this dude was very surgical with this thing. I think he was very intentional about it. I think this is this shows just creative prowess, being able to take the style that people like and be like, cool, and I'm going to do this in Switzerland, and I'm going to do it on a mountain. And I, we saw videos back in quarantine when he was in Switzerland producing the stuff, and we're like, oh, this is dope. And to see what comes from that, you, as, as, as a man who loves Switzerland himself, I must say I can admire that type of panage. Hey, panache is for sure the word. Uh, big drip. This album is straight vibes. Um, yeah, I, I 
I recommend one listen to like it's it's probably one of the more experimental albums that I could recommend one listen to anybody. Give it one listen and like skip through it if you need to. I think you'll find something you like. There's a, there's a lot there. But if we're because we're now month seven, right? And I know I'm putting you on the spot over here. If we have to list our top hip hop albums very quickly, if you can just give me a quick, what is your top maybe three to five? And I will start by saying the best hip hop album of this year is Makami's um, "Pray for Paris," uh, "Pray for Haiti." I, I put that first, and then okay. I'll and then I'll go to. I, I'll, I'll put that first and that's where I'm settled on right now. That's what, that's, 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 that's what I know for a fact. <laughs> that, that's first. Miles, I'm putting you on the spot. I need three to five names from you. I'm going to give you one and go. Your turn. Take, take it away. Well, if we're, if we're, if we're going to keep it, uh, if we're going to keep it hip hop, uh, then I think that Mac Hami is definitely on my, my top five, but I got to put that uh, Benny the Butcher, the plugs I'm at too. Above that, got to do that. Um, let's see. I've got to put, uh, I'm thinking Voice of the Heroes might still be, might be in there. Just volume of music that I think is going to be, that I think will stay with us. Uh, there's a lot that I'm looking forward to that I think is going to, that I think is going to be it. I think 42 Doug's album is going to be in there. I think Isaiah Rashad's album is going to be in there. We know that's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is it's tough. I think whatever to do Meek, that. whatever Meek Project drops, but I think for now I'd say Benny the Butcher, Mac Hami. Um, man, I'm gonna hate myself later for this list, but uh, so we'll come voice, back to it. Voice of the Heroes. Um, Three and let me get let me get you two more two more. I'll go with that Judas and the Black Messiah soundtrack so I can cheat a little bit. Uh, nice because that that what it feels like is fire. There's there's just so much there. Um, even though it's not all hip hop, and oh this is real this is real tough. But I guess I can put that Tyler in there as a placeholder for now. And we'll, you can we'll see what de- the you can definitely the, do that. The rest of the year brings. Um, you can definitely do that. T Grizzly's um, album wasn't bad. That's right. T Grizzly wasn't bad. Also, you're looking at that uh, that uh, Young Thug, Young Thug. It was a, it wasn't sl- Slime Life, was it? Damn. I'm oh, oh yes, I'd put that. I'd probably put that up there. Actually, Slime Language too. Yeah, that's that's competing for five with this Tyler album. That's definitely up there. You got um, Culture Three. If you want that, you got some Sayari the Kid albums that drop. Oh, I gotta check out that Sayari. G Herbo dropped this Friday. I spent my I, I followed your your lead and listened to the Tyler, but I haven't. I gonna need to check out that Herbo. Uh, In the um, same way you take my my advice on that, please listen to that Peter Rosenberg real late album, bro. That there you go, Peter Rosenberg's real late. That bro, bro, listen to that, listen to that. I'm with it. Um, I'm how many it. mics are we giving it so we can close this up properly and give it to the people? I'm giving this 3.5 mics. I'm giving it 3.5. That feels a little stingy, but I'm trying to look to the future, not giving myself any recency bias, reserve what I hold as a four. I'm going to put, I'm going to give this 3.5 mics. Do we want to talk about how we don't care about that J. Cole album anymore, or are we just going to keep it pushing? 
Um, you know what, dude? I I stand by because I think I gave that three mics. I stand I stand by my thoughts on that J Cole album. It certainly wasn't a step up for me. You would be hard pressed to call it bad rapping, but mm-hmm. I think it doesn't have anything that particularly makes me care about it. Um, yeah, I think I don't I don't I don't I don't care. Sounds like it's bad and it's not, but I don't care is the real feeling. Mm. Interesting, interesting. The only Cole album that I've only Cole album that I've yet to go back to. This is the least replayed Cole album that I've received so far since Friday Night Lights. Uh, I would say that, that I probably, yeah, this, I would Even say, Friday Night Lights. yeah, I, did, I really didn't go back. I took changes from For Your Eyes Only and that was about, that was about it. You know, I love um, For Your Eyes Only. You know, I love that. Neighbors is, Neighbors is all right. Neighbors and changes. So, but I only have I really only have a punch in the clock from from the off season. So yeah, it's those two and his first album. But we can't forget J Cole a year eighteen months ago bodied every feature yeah. from every artist in the game, right? So whoever you think is the top artist right now, J Cole made a song with them and bodied it. So we got Cole fatigue. You think? I don't think we got Cole fatigue. Maybe Cole, you know what I'm saying? Maybe I think Cole tries to pick a different direction and tries to make a point with with each album. And this one was just a this was just a miss, you know. And the way that we were ready for KOD and whether you really liked that, that album musically or not, it spoke to the time and nailed it spot on. I think this just didn't. Just was just a miss in that way, you know. Yeah, and that happens, and that happens. Listen, if there's anything that these people need us to review, to recommend, anything we should look at, anything we should pull open, um, please just let us know either in the comments section, send us messages, reach out to us, whatever, man. Um, like Miles said, uh, whether you're listening on Spotify, YouTube, on SoundCloud, whatever it is, we see you and we appreciate it, man. That's what we do it for. Yeah, big love energy, big appreciation energy. You know what I'm saying? Big hip-hop energy, big tree energy. You know what I'm saying? Big summer energy this side. You know what I'm saying? Happy, cold, warm winter energy that side. You know what I'm saying? We wrapping y'all up in love that way. You know, my brother over here in the blue uh, vest is looking is looking like, you know, the silk turtle. Chestnut Tones is in the building. Hazelnut Tones is in the building. And we know. We know. We aware, man. You had to scroll past 5,000 podcasts to get to this one. There's too many options. And if you are here rocking with us at this point, we appreciate you. We have all the gratitude in the world. We hope that something we said, something you heard, lifted you up, found something you could rock with, something you could laugh about, something you could bring and share to somebody else. This is a celebration of celebrating. This is a celebration of life. This is a celebration of how good it feels to be black. Don't it feel good, Sway? Everything in the world, man. Yep, lifting up all the black TikTokers, lifting up Shakari Richardson. Like that. Peace, love, water. We go. All right, PL, my niggas, man. <laughs>